Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you recently resolved the dispute for a client without any cost to him. How? Dennis, he came to me because of tensions he was experiencing from a superior in a university. I sensed that my client's success threatened his superior, and so he was looking to undermine my client. And how did you handle it? Well, I told him to do nothing. He was leaving the university, and his publications would launch him into a higher category. His previous department head would not only fade in memory, but also fade in industry recognition. And that's exactly what seems to be happening. My client is thrilled to not have entangled himself in a lawsuit, nor risk his career. And it feels great for me, too. He won without firing a shot. Brilliant. My friends, you know that I trust Barack Lurie with my own business legalities. Call him for your own legal issues at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right. Barack Lurie at Lurie & Associates, 866-575-8111. And now, listen to The Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. something that really gets my gourd. And here's what it is. When people think, anyone thinks, that they can fool me, or for that matter, that they can get any, anything past me. And that's, you know, that, that should be true for everyone, actually. I, I think that there's a kind of an inherent understanding, there's this global consensus that when somebody's trying to pull a fast one over you, that it's insulting, right? I mean, it's, it's, they say the phrase insulting to your intelligence, but it's, it's beyond that, right? It's, it's, I guess that it is insulting to your intelligence, but it, it goes to the core of who you are when they try to deceive you. Let's just tell him this, or let's just tell her that. And you can see right through it, right? And I've got this remarkable BS detector. You'll see where I'm going with this, by the way. I'm really good at this. When somebody is telling me something and I can see that it's about to come out, that I'm going to be assaulted with words that do not represent the truth, let's put it that way, I just stop them and I say, you know, and I say politely, please, just don't go there. Just whatever you do, don't. I, I don't even think about it. I can tell that you're BSing me before you even open your mouth. I can tell by your facial gestures. I have a talent. This is it. I can tell you. I can, I can see it. And, and, and I use it to my advantage in the law, by the way. I, you know, depositions and otherwise. I can see when people are getting uncomfortable, when they try to change the subject. Um, their eyes twitch a certain way. I know that I'm getting somewhere and then I'm getting closer to the truth. Or when they try to tell me something more particularly that, that I know they don't themselves even believe. Then I know I can just play them. So the BS meter is extremely high for me. And so when I hear a politician such as Hillary Clinton try to tell me that the reason why she didn't use the State Department email address is because it was a matter of convenience for her, and then she explains that it would, be, it would require her to have two separate iPhone devices or whatever, smartphone devices. I, 
I, I, I get I get really angry. Like you really are. You really think that we're so stupid that we would believe this. And like we said before, you know, she only thinks that the, that her fellow Democrats are stupid because <laughs> we conservatives don't buy this for a second. But they must. They they, they have this. Willing suspension of disbelief when it comes to her. That's what it is. That's what it is. And that concerns me. Um, what is the, the other thing that she said was that she had deleted some 30,000 emails. Okay, well, look, it begs the question when? When were the emails deleted? Right? You, if, if she had deleted them kind of on an ongoing basis, Every, you know, just to unclutter her box, her inbox, right? Uh, yeah, you know, here's, a, here's an email regarding my daughter's wedding. I don't need that. Delete, delete, delete. You know, like five emails a day. Fine. But she doesn't even pretend that, right? We know that she deleted these emails almost immediately after the investigation heat was on her. Do you remember this? Of course. Yeah. So the one saying like, uh, um, what should we do to cover up those Stinger missiles we were selling to Al Qaeda that <laughs> night in Benghazi? Oh, we better delete that one. Yeah, exactly. Well, <clears throat> whatever it was that she deleted, she certainly deleted them all at once, and and thirty thousand of them. And you know that there was a lot of work behind that. And she wasn't sentimental. I'd want to keep the what's about my daughter's wedding. Well, that's Would a, you? That's a good point. And this is something that uh, I think it was either Prager brought up or. Or somebody else brought up, but it, it seems so obvious that you wouldn't selectively delete just those things. If, if you're using both your personal and your work stuff, then why would she delete all the personal stuff? I mean, it, she would have you believe that she deleted virtually every single item that was personal, right? including so, the one that said, "Hey, mom, we just had a little girl." Yeah, Chelsea. exactly. Delete. <laughs> That's right. That's the same thing as, as, as an email from a junk email that says, would you like to get a larger one? <laughs> you know? Or from the Kenya National Bank. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. It's just as sentimental to her. Right. And, and it, it just, everything about this just reeks of nonsense. It, it, and, and the fact that the server was right there, and then she expects us to just, yeah. and she's not going to turn the server over, of course, which... To my mind, means guilty. What's the problem? If you have only deleted, if, first of all, if you deleted all the personal emails that you're concerned about, that you think don't belong in the public domain, and all that remains are State Department emails, well, then what's the problem, Madam Secretary? Right? Uh, and and I, on my Sunday show, I talked about like three other different items that just don't jibe here. I mean, what? Why is it, for example, that only she, as the head of the State Department, was using her personal emails and expected everyone else to? I mean, certainly she understood that she was violating protocol, right? But so there was a concerted effort. She, I mean, clearly she understood. She, she purposely set out to only use her personal emails. There wasn't a single State Department email that she used, right? So it's not as if you know, I mean, so, so that, that was a calculated decision. I'm only going to use my personal emails. Okay. And it doesn't make sense because what if, I mean, she didn't just send emails from her iPhone, right? Assuming she used an, an iPhone. She, uh, she also went from time to time to the State Department. Didn't she have an office there? Right? Didn't she have a computer there? 
And didn't that computer itself have an email account, like a, an email program up that presumably would have the State Department uh, email? So just, just by, you know, every once in a while going to the office. So she just by proxy admitted that she is the laziest Secretary of State <laughs> in the history of the nation. Or at the very least that she never went to the State Department at all. <laughs> yeah. So because uh, don't, and yeah. no one's brought that up. Like, what? I, I mean, you know, presumably if she went to her computer and she saw all these other State Department emails, then she's going to send an email from her State Department email yeah, address. Mrs. Clinton, this is John Mook. He's uh, uh, doing your IT to set up your computer. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Clinton, I got, you know, Madam Secretary, I have all your uh, emails right. Oh, no, 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 disable that configuration. We have our own personal server. Oh, no problem. Uh, is it secure? No, no, oh, no problem. We'll just, we'll blow out this configuration. I'll do your desktop computer at your State Department office with your server. No problem. No questions asked. <laughs> I hate people who lie. I just really do. To me, look, we've talked about this before, and, and maybe we should have a whole podcast on this, but we might as well kind of talk about it and interweave it. I think it. we are right now. Yeah. No, no, what I'm about to say, which is when you lie, it creates a little seed in your brain that needs reconciliation. The brain is very complex, and if, you, if, you, if your brain hears itself spitting out a lie about uh, where you really were on Tuesday, whatever. Your brain can't, it will do what it can to reconcile it with the truth that it actually knows. It's very hard for the brain to do that, but it will do it. It'll work hard, but it'll have to borrow from other places in the brain and it'll have to make some other sacrifices to make it real in the brain's mind. The, the brain can't do it. The brain doesn't like lies. That's an interesting thing. So what happens is, there's a distortion in the brain itself, and that itself, kind of like a virus, infects the rest of the brain. I believe that people who consistently lie, in fact, not even consistently, if they have a few big lies that they keep on uh, nurturing in their brain, it makes them go crazy in the end. And I, why do I say this? Why, why, why do I say this with some degree of confidence? It's because I've seen it happen in some people. In fact, many people. So it's not that sociopaths lie. It's that repeated lies turn you into a sociopath. Yes. Yes, I think there's something to that. Uh, if we drew, drew a Venn diagram, we can say all liars turn into sociopaths. Not necessarily all sociopaths turns, have, have been liars. But I, I can tell you when, when I see people who are a little off, something crazy about them, I can tell, I can tell that there's... There's a lie somewhere embedded in their brain. I'm, I'm so convinced of this, Ari. It's at the, the biomechanics of lies. And it spreads like a virus. And, if, and, it, and it takes two to tango, right? I mean, the, the famous line from The Simpsons where Homer says, Honey, now it takes two people to lie. One to lie and somebody to believe him, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> As if it's <laughs> the listener's fault also. <laughs> right? right? You believe it. <laughs> That's right. It's your fault. <laughs> but there is truth to it. Oddly enough, there's, there's a strange degree of truth to it. And the, uh, Hillary Clinton has so many of her Democratic followers, her liberal listeners, who are willing to listen to it. 
And so they enable her. And she, in turn, gives them what they want to hear. So the deceiver and the, dece and the deceived, they both work hand in hand. And we see this. We see this a lot. It terrifies me that people can look at something, for example, the Ferguson, uh, you know, what, what is it? Hands, uh, up, hands, up, yeah, hands up, don't shoot. <clears throat> and, and now we know that that phrase was just a damnable lie. It just didn't happen. And yet it just keeps on resonating over and over again. People, you know, the, from Congress people to athletes, to athletes were, or doing this thing, even though they, they know or should know that it never happened. But it, took, it takes on a life of its own. But it's a lie. It's a lie that now is infecting everything. It's, it's changing the whole way that we look at police, uh, the way that uh, the police now have to be more defensive than ever. It changes law enforcement, generally speaking, but all based on a lie. And someone like Barack Obama, who would have real pull and influence with these people, does not go on national TV and say, hands up, don't shoot, never happened. Please stop using it. We must heal from this. Right. Or he could have just said it in passing, you know, that, that sort of thing. Well, it looks like the hands up, don't shoot scenario didn't happen. Mr., uh, you know, a couple of people who were opportunists wanted to see it that way. Uh, but it just didn't happen that way. And it looks like Darren Wilson uh, didn't do that. Having said that, uh, he could say, he can continue, you know, that doesn't mean that there's no racism throughout the United States. And we need to be vigilant about it. Uh, but as vis-a-vis -vis Darren Wilson, it looks like he didn't do anything wrong. That that would be I could live with, but instead he just let the just hands up, don't shoot, fester. continue to fester, and to and continue to rot away at the core, and and he doesn't tell people any different at all. Yeah, and but, look how Democrat after Democrat, because you start talking about Clinton, uh, in this case Hillary, but Bill is equally culpable for yeah. this, and. Republicans, this is one of the areas where Republicans don't do this. Democrats love to put lies out there and then let them fester and metastasize. That's and so it's true. so harmful to everyone when portions of a society is believing false history. And then, of course, uh, well, the, the, you know, on the plus side for the liberals, they, they, you know, they got it right when it came to uh, global warming. And, they, you know, they, they definitely got that right. They accurately predicted that the Arctic and Antarctic uh, would melt completely by now, and uh, the temperatures have been going up dramatically. And of course, uh, you know, all the polar bears have died. So I guess they got that one in their, in their plus column then, right? The huh? Jamaican Tourism Board has taken over the uh, Arctic Circle. Yes, yes, that's right. The sunny beaches, <laughs> warm, tropical. Yes, yes. And we were almost drowned uh, the other day in the 20 extra feet of water that. Uh, Gore had promised us would happen. But, but the reason why I bring this up, of course, is that it's also a damnable lie. And it's a damnable lie. And I say that in almost in the literal sense. It's damnable because it, it, act, it expects us to believe this hook, line, and sinker, to ignore all the true facts, and instead rely on supposed experts' testimony and computer models, and, and that that is the, somehow the truth. Never mind our own skepticism. And in fact, not just healthy skepticism, but it turns out to be very accurate skepticism. They're just, they're just wrong. Very, very wrong on this issue. And yet they keep on pushing this out. And so that those who are the, 
the willingly deceived, let's, let's call them that, they embrace it. They're infected with this lie, and they perpetuate it. And, and, I, and I love to say to them, look, <clears throat> whatever global warming offers and whatever you believe about it, you're entitled to believe. But understand this. If, if you are right about global warming, it'll be the first time that liberals have ever been right about a, a scare scenario in the entire history of humanity. Okay? So maybe this is the first time. It's possible. But every time that you've predicted anything, you've always been wrong. Okay? Maybe you're right this time. But so far, you're wrong. And, and how do you reconcile that the, the, the facts of the past 20 years have been wrong? And, you, and then you, you turn around, you redefine what global warming is, you call it climate change, and you, you even define what the, you redefine what the consequences are, that it's not global warming, that it's instead extreme weather of both kinds. Well, if that were the case, then why didn't the experts say that in the first place? Right? I mean, that means that they were wrong when they said the earth was going to start warming. They didn't talk about this extreme weather. That's your reshifting of the argument. Not mine. You guys are the ones doing that. So why can't they be wrong about the reshifting now? Why are they so absolutely sure that they're right this time, having lied to us 20 years ago? Why? And why weren't, why weren't they the experts when they said it was global cooling 20 years before then? Right? And, and, and then 60 years before then, in 1922, when they came out with their, uh, their, their concern that the earth would be warming into massive levels in the next 10 years from then, due to human activity and so on. Which is it? Which is it? Well, it could be like a lot of liars. After a while, they don't even know anymore. Yeah. They've lost all perspective. Yeah. And think about how damning this is, how tragic this is for free societies that must have informed populace that is kept up to speed on, on the truthful uh, position on issues so they can make informed decisions with who they elect or what initiatives they support. A society, no matter how free or democratic, once it's fed lies, is inevitably going to consume itself. It has to. Well, there, you know, that, that's what dictatorships do. It's, it, one of the definitions, uh, one of the many, I should say, aspects of dictatorships, not definitions, is that... They disperse untruths all the time. Yeah, mysteries of propaganda, mysteries of disinformation. Yes, it's all propaganda. So, so you know, what am I to believe today, uh, Mr. Dictator? That, that's, that's the attitude. And so we're already kind of, in a sense, acting like that. So, you know, if it's behavioralism, right, <laughs> that, then act happy and you'll be happy, right? Well, act like a dictator and you'll be a dictatorship. That's what's happening. Well, we essentially become that. But instead of having a strong man, we have this tiny group of elites in faraway capitals, you know, yeah. elite power centers scattered throughout the country who make these decisions on high for all of us and then feed us the, these lies. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the bigger lies that we, we, you know, and avoid from staying from our opinion about these Islam things. Islam is a religion of peace. Well, for example, that would be an opinion. But I'm talking about things that we now know were... In fact, lies. And you can keep your doctor. Bingo. You can keep your, your doctor and your policy if you like it. We knew that that was a lie. We, we've now been able to put it all together and understand that he knew for a fact that that would not be the case. So it was a lie. Al-Qaeda is on the run and GM is alive. Very good. Well, Al-Qaeda in particular being on the run, 
that that was somehow a, a true statement. In fact, they're actually growing. And, not and they that, were growing at that time. They were growing, and ISIS is also not on the run. Uh, that whatever we're doing, that it's actually far worse than we think it is, that they are doubling dramatically. And uh, their strength is, is really quite exceptional. And in our failure to get them com com to completely rid ourselves of, the, of them uh, only emboldens them even more. So it's, it's like, a, what's that expression? Uh, if you can't kill them, don't bother wounding them because it only makes them stronger, right? Or like, like you spray a, a, a certain insects with DDT or whatever, the in insecticide. Uh, well, the ones that don't die become stronger and they become resistant to that insecticide, right? Same thing here. If you only bomb them from the sky and you don't actually engage in a massive campaign to destroy them, well, you're just going to make them stronger. And that's what's happening here. And the, the willful ignorance of the truth also, what happened to the, 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 what's happening now with the Christian genocide and the, the young children being crucified and, and the slavery that's going on, it's, it's so unspeakably horrific what's going on. And in a sense, that's a lie to not bring it up. Right? I mean, and, and, and in the process, he's telling, telling us that everything is going smashingly well. Really? How about this one? George Bush lied and people died. Right? Yeah. And it was a war for oil. Yeah, they were lying about lying. Yeah. Right. So that's a cute one, and then you have to deal with that. And, of um, course, the famous one, I did not share a mattress during the night with that woman. <laughs> I've sanitized that. Yes, yes. Uh, I appreciate Oops. that. But, but there, there's so many other lies. I mean... Look at the Obamacare, the website alone, and they're telling us that it's uh, how many millions were signed up when, in fact, they're, they're doubling the enrollees, right? Uh, we know that uh, even in the beginning that they were just, they were including people who were not even paying into the system, that they were just looking or logging onto the system. Uh, and then same thing with the unemployment numbers. Uh, when, when they're playing funny with that, now, now they're including part-time people into the employment figures, and suddenly, suddenly, the unemployment figures go down to 5.5%. Surprise. It's, it's, it's such a deceptive view of things. And what, what's going to start happening, and this is why I began this, by, by saying how it's destructive to the very soul of the country, to not be truly transparent, to not awaken in this department, and to take action. Because if you don't do that, we are truly lost. We have a president that we know nothing about. Really nothing. Well, we do know that he was asleep for 20 years in those church pews. <laughs> That's I never true. heard a thing. Yes. You're being cynical. I understand. No, but, but that was a lie he said. I, I, I understand. I, but, but, yes. but here, let me go forward with this, because I want to explain that we really know very little about this man. It, he's, uh, ironically, the least transparent president that could possibly, we could have ever possibly had. Nobody engaged in any sort of due diligence with this guy. We only know that he was an ice cream scooper at one point, that he was a community organizer, whatever that means. And uh, then he you know, lofted himself up to the top uh, by way of state senator, then a United States senator, and now, of course, president. And how this all happened without any vetting of any sort. We, we don't know anything about um, the... the his previous girlfriends. We don't know anything about his, his grades and, and uh, the things that he did to get into those particular schools. We know very little bit about Michelle Obama for the same reason. 
we know virtually nothing about the kids and, and whether or not they were actually born to them. You know, you don't even know about the birth certificates of these kids. Now, in fairness to the kids, you That's know, private, and we don't. It's private, look. yeah. But the, it, it's a good point you bring up because it's it's part of the broader context about how not only do we not know anything about these people, the very people whose job they took to be um, uh, little hall monitors for the public, i.e., the media, have done less work with this guy than anyone else in the history of the world. Right, and and they'll they'll never. I mean. What, at the end of the day, Obama will turn and tell us everything that he actually believes, and he'll be worse than Jimmy Carter is as a post-president. He'll be, he'll be quite terrible. And he'll espouse very anti-Israel stuff, very anti-America stuff. And he'll start chumming up to Muslim leaders here and Muslim leaders there, including the Muslim Brotherhood. Um, it's it's going to be a terrifying situation. I, I worry about this. But the 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 willingness of us to take on this deceit for ourselves. That's, that's what I worry about. And especially, and the most ironic thing, again, is the elitists, especially Jewish elitists, how many Jewish billionaires support him? And I, I, I bring up that specific category for a very important reason. This man demonizes the wealthy. Right. And then he acts in ways that indicate he has absolute contempt for Jews. So why would a wealthy Jew, whether it's Steven Spielberg or Chaim Saban or Jeff Green or any of these guys worth a lot of money, ever support someone who demonizes their accomplishments in life and their ethnic heritage? It's, it's uh, mind-boggling. It's, it's, it's truly uh, a mystery. Uh, you know, one of the things that um, one of the things that really boggles my mind is when I talk to people about the Hillary Clinton thing, because to me, that is as plain as day, that it's very odd. Everything about it, it's, it's crazily odd. And it just screams, you know, she might as well say, you know, it's like, it's like the Saturday Night Live skit, right, with the, the Kevin Nealon character, yeah. uh, who, the pathological liar guy, and he, and he tells the news, and he, or the, whatever, the subtle um, insinuations. Mr. Subliminal. Mr. Subliminal, right. Yeah. And tells John the news. Lovis was the liar guy. Right. Mr. Subliminal would tell the news and, and, and tell, you know, and have a subliminal context right underneath after every sentence. And it was very funny. And Hillary Clinton should have really said uh, things like, and I just opted for a convenience because I did not want to have two different devices at the time. Can you really believe I'm saying this? I don't believe that you'll believe this for a second, not, nor do I, but let's go on with this, right? And then, and she goes on with the next slide, the next slide. And I'm going to continue this because it totally worked for Lois Lerner. And I, you know, <laughs> yeah, it did. It's a good point. Lois Lerner is another good example. But when I ask my strong liberal friends, meaning that they're deeply liberal, and I say, what do you have to say about this? What's your reaction to this? And here's what every single one of them has said. Every single one. And I'm quoting because they all happen to say exactly the same thing. My instinct is to trust her. Ah! All right? Quote, unquote. Ah! Okay. Ah! What? Her? My instinct is to trust her. Her? Trust her? Well, it's... It, Their it, instinct? <laughs> Who's lying now? The instinct, like, well, okay, I understand that's your instinct, but that doesn't answer the question. Right. Okay? My instinct is to, um, I don't know, 
to, to, to go outside right now, but if it's really cold, I, that, that instinct might might require me to wear some, some warm clothing. If that's their instinct, I pray they never are in a real-life scenario from a horror film, because <laughs> they are victim number one oh, that's with true. that instinct. <laughs> like, like that commercial recently. Oh, there's a guy with a chainsaw. He has a hockey mask. Quick, let's go towards him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's my instinct. <laughs> But let, let's let's get past that. The the instinct is to trust her, and and that that trusting her is the thing that I want to talk about, because they and, and they don't even realize that you know they're trapped in this sense of trust. Instead of simply saying, "Well, that dog don't hunt with me," I mean, I'm a Democrat through and through. They can say to themselves, "I believe in all these liberal policies." They can say to themselves, but what she's saying, she's lying. Simple as that. She would put her in the same camp as Andrew Weiner. Anthony Weiner. Anthony, I'm sorry, Anthony Weiner and um, Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon and John Edwards. Yeah. Okay, I say the first two because they're They're they're, they're Democrats. But put them in the same camp, or the other guy from New York, what's his name? Uh, He he was a prosecutor. Oh, uh, Spitzer. Spitzer, yeah, Elliot Spitzer. Put them, in the, put her in the same camp. She's just lying. What okay? do people have to do to lose your trust, guys? Yeah. Speaking to them. Right. What, what does she have to do? Do you have to see her killing Ron and Nicole with that knife yeah. in Brentwood that night? With the knife in her hand? With, well, that, my instinct is still to trust her. But she just killed Ron and Nicole. That's right. And, and all the evidence <laughs> is right there before you. But you, your logic has to take over at some point. And, and, it's, and they just don't want to. They, they are letting their trust instinct control them. Look, it's like that uh, scene that I've sometimes quoted uh, in um, from the movie Working Girl, a movie I love so much. And the Melanie Griffith character comes home after being fired from work. And she walks into her apartment, and she opens the bedroom door. She wants to talk to her boyfriend. And then what does she see? She sees her boyfriend... Uh, lying down and some woman someone else someone else is uh, doing some uh, activity there let's put it that way and they're both without clothes okay and uh, and and the boyfriend looks to to the Melanie Griffith character you know for the first time as she's opening the door and he and he says uh, honey it's not what it looks like it's not right? what it looks okay. like it's and not she what just, you think and she just rolls her eyes and slams the door because you know obviously it is what it, it's exactly what it looks like right but and we're saying my fellow Americans this is exactly what it looks like. Exactly. She is clearly lying. I can see it. Ari can see it. And you, my dear listener, you can see it. All right, when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit more about some other deceits because it's such an important uh, topic and, and why we let ourselves get deceived as often as we do. And not just in the political realm, but also in the realm of God. Stay tuned, I'll be right back. or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you recently handled a case where one brother was suing his two brothers, your clients. What happened? Well, Dennis, the two brothers struggled but succeeded to build three restaurants. But when the third brother returned from being out of the country for 20 years, he sued to get one-third of their business. He claimed an oral deal between them because he had once worked as a cook for them. So what did you do? 
Well, during trial, we got him to acknowledge certain key dates and to his complete lack of documentation. So when his side rested, we asked the court for what's called a directed verdict, a motion that gets rid of a case after fatal facts come out during trial. And the court agreed, shooting down all but one of the brothers' causes of action. And we settled that one for a very small amount and excused the jury. And justice was done. My friends, you know that I trust Barack Lurie with my own business and other legalities. So to make sure a deal is done right, call him for your own legal issues at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie & Park, 866-575-8111. again. So we talked before as we were leaving the last segment about deceit and why it is that we deceive ourselves. And as we kind of joked around before, you know, in the Homer Simpson and the Simpson episode where Homer says, no, 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 it takes two people to lie. One to lie and one to believe the lie. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's that's the way it is. And we and ones who are believing the lies, we're, what we're doing is we're really engaging in self-deceit. And that's what we need to really understand. We are the ones engaging in it. Just like Homer's joke, we're believing in the lie. And we don't need to believe in the lie. We should not be believing the lie. It should be so obvious to us. And we used the example of Hillary's emails before politically, <clears throat> but we should see that also transparently with, when it comes to Obama and, uh, and many other things that we're seeing in the, in the news today. We, we know what, what's really going on. For example, Obama, uh, he's so transparently against Israel. You can't seriously say that he loves Israel or somehow wants to support Israel. He is kicking and screaming in any support that he ever gives Israel at all. And the fact that Netanyahu is the prime minister is not of any import whatsoever. We know this. Even if uh, the Labor Party, their version of the Democrats, uh, won in the recent election, well then, Obama would find a way to be disappointed with that leader as well. He doesn't like Israel, period. That's the end of the story. And it's transparent. <clears throat> you, can, you can show many different examples of this. You can also show that every single liberal policy has failed, right? This is obvious stuff. Everything's so obvious. And, and you, you're one of these people that just, you're wrecking your brain trying to understand how it is that anybody could believe this crap. It's just crap. Stimuluses never work. Minimum wage never works. Rent control doesn't work. Taxes, high taxes certainly, don't work. A lot of regulations don't work. You see it time and time again. Enforce, uh, uh, lack of enforcement of crime doesn't work. It creates more crime. I mean, that the madness just keeps on piling on. And you want to say, what is going on here? How come you cannot see this, my left-leaning friend? How is it possible? And the reason, and I'll tell you how it's possible, because they have come to believe so many delusions. They, they want to be deluded because other people are telling them it's so. And they've already kind of been infected by the liberal bug, right? They've already been told that it's, it's a wonderful thing <clears throat> to, uh, to give money to the poor, all right? So, so that they've got in their mantra. They, they have an association. We talked about that before, liberal by association. 
So they've already deluded themselves. And so while you're there, well, then you're in delusion land, and you might as well continue to, to imbibe the delusions. And then it's like the, it's like the old uh, theory of a lie, right? Once you lie once, well, then you've got to do another lie to cover up for the first lie. And then yet another lie for the second lie, and so on. And right? when you lie enough, then the truth is so gone. Yeah, you can't even find where the truth is. and The truth doesn't make any sense. There's no logic to the truth. There, it's like the famous line from Lawrence of Arabia that... that uh, a liar um, is somebody who tells, yeah, somebody tells uh, lies has merely hidden the truth. Somebody tells half-truths has merely, has, doesn't know where he put it, right? It's a classic, classic line, a great line. Don't know how much applicable it is today <coughs> to what we're talking about, but I think it is applicable in a, in a grander scheme sort of way. Okay, so we've got... Lies, 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 and, and you're surrounding yourself. You don't even realize it, my lefty friends, that there's so many lies around you, swirling around you, that you can't even see the truth behind the hurricane that's swarming around you. How about that for a visual? Right? You're in the middle of this hurricane, and you can't even see the sun because of it. And we're on the other side saying, it, it's not that way, guys. On the outside, it's, it's actually very pleasant. And... Uh, or, or whatever the reality really is. But you have to knowingly self-deceive. And once you start, you're, you're forever gone. It's that easy. But here's a, here's a good analogy for you. It's like taking drugs. Okay? If you start taking drugs to get that wonderful feeling of, of a high, whether it's pot or otherwise, <clears throat> and you keep on doing it, after a while, you start needing it. There's an addiction. And suddenly, your whole world is consumed by the drug, isn't it? You can't stop but think about, how am I going to get this drug? Whether it's Coke or heroin or, or pot, you're going you're gonna to fight for it. And that is going to be your identity all of a sudden. Suddenly, you're a pothead. Suddenly, you're a druggie. Suddenly, you have an addiction problem. Right? And that's the way it is with these liberals. Not every liberal, of course. It never is. But it is with, with those, those liberals that you talk to, you just can't seem to make sense with them. You, you, you show it right there. You say, you know, look, I mean, just to use minimum wage as an example, <clears throat> you, you say, how can you, Johnny, how can you be for minimum wage? Don't you see that actually hurts businesses? How would you know whether a, a business can afford $15, 20 $25 an hour? How do you know that? Yes, they can. Well, I just think so. Well, but but have you seen the books of every business? How do you know that this is a one-size-fits-all situation? Maybe Apple can do it, but my firm can't do that. Right? Maybe. <clears throat> so do you understand that that actually will be ruinous to small businesses and, and only av uh, advantage big businesses? Can you see that? Is that possible for you to see that? And they just they dismiss you. They don't, they, don't, they don't want to hear the reason with your voice, with what, what you're presenting them. So this is the logic that they fail to see and the self-deception that they engage in all the time. And it, it applies not just to liberal policies. It applies, of course, even to God. And, you know, my, my daughter once said, just a little while ago, by the way, when it came to leftward thinking, since I, before I go to the God issue, she said something very smart. Um, when, when you're on the far left, there are no rules there, there's no good or evil. There's no distinction between 
adults and children. There's no distinction between teacher and student and so on, man and woman. But most importantly, most importantly there's no distinction between evil and good. There, everything is relative. It's all in your mind. Whatever is good is in your mind. And I think as she phrased it so beautifully, and I, and I think it's exactly right. And when you're lost in that cloud of uh, uh, being unable to figure out what's good and what's bad and what's up and what's down and what's right and what's left, um, you know, wh whether drugs are good for you or not good for you, I, when, you, when you just have erased all the barriers of distinctions, then of course you're going to just be swallowed up by these deceptions. Of course you're going to say, it's probably good this way. Because, and, and then to say nothing of all the consequences that you must think about. We can talk about that in another podcast. Now, going on to God. <clears throat> it is amazing to me the level of self-deceit when it comes to people's lack of belief in God. I, I, I am now at the point that when I hear someone say that they're an atheist, not an agnostic. Agnostic, I can... We can kind of understand. But when they say they're an atheist, which means that they know that there is no God or believe that there's no God, fine. I, I just think to myself, wow, that's the ultimate self-deceit, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, it's just, how? how <laughs> you, you have this amazing evidence of the Big Bang, right? You have a complete refutation of the evolutionary theory. You have more and more complexity that we discover in the human body and through science and everything else, the planetary systems and everything else, and the staggering odds that it would be necessary for us to be here at all, at all, staggering, and that they know that there's no God. This is the ultimate self-deceit, isn't it? Look, a very good uh, friend of mine, uh, far lefty as well, and an atheist, a big-time atheist. Uh, I was really interested in talking to him at one point about... Oh, sorry, he was interested in trying to convey a certain point to me, and that point was something to do about uh, something that the Bible said. I forget exactly what, what it was, but that some people should be stoned to death. Maybe it was gays, maybe it was adulterers, I don't know. And that how horrific that was. And I said, and I, I, I explained to him, you know, you're, you're taking this wildly out of context. You don't know what's in the Bible. And I said, would you like to have just a conversation with a very good Orthodox rabbi that I know? He's fantastic. And just ask him. You know, just, you know, get all your things out. Because you, what you're doing is you're just, you don't know, you, you haven't read the Bible. You don't know what you're talking about. What you're doing is just repeating what somebody else has told you is in this or that book of the Bible. And you repeat it, as if, and, and, there, and thereby judge it. You're judging a book without having read it, right? And it's, it's, it's silly. It's stupid. It's like judging a movie because uh, you see some people smoking cigarettes, as they used to see all the time in movies, right? Well, I'm not going to see this movie because people are smoking cigarettes, and I'm against cigarettes. But it, never mind that. It's, the Bible doesn't even say the things that he claims it to to say for one thing, and, and the things that it does do, it's not meant as a literal interpretation. So I offered him, I said, look, why don't you sit down with this rabbi? 
just go, th- just have some fun. It, it doesn't mean that he's going to try to convert you or anything. But if you have all these presuppositions about it, I would be very interested, if I were you as an atheist, to say, hey, look, you know, I, I hear all these rumors that, uh, you know, it's an eye for an eye, for example. We talked about this before. And isn't that, you know, kind of backward that we should gouge somebody else's eye in, in exchange for another eye? And then the rabbi would say, oh, yes, I hear that once in a while. But actually, you know, and then he would explain that it's actually about commensurate punishment. It's actually an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And there's a, there's a reason why there's two things that they talk about in order to reflect proportionality of uh, punishment. And you would go on about the, 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 the sacrifice of Isaac, for example, which is terribly misinterpreted and misconstrued. And he would explain that, too. And, and here's a rich resource to, to go talk and, and explain why you are concerned about all the, the so-called BS in the Bible, okay? And you can complain about the, the, the so-called nonsense of the parting of the Red Sea and, and I don't believe in miracles and, uh, you know, go have at it. But don't you think you should talk to somebody rather than just staying in your own echo chamber, feeling good about your very strident and very extreme positions that are so hostile to these people of faith? Don't you, I mean, what you, I mean, I just don't get it. Look, when I was a liberal, uh, I, I I never closed my mind. When I saw that there was a conservative, I would say, can I, can I pick your brain about, you know, you seem like a nice guy. Why is it that you feel um, that abortion is a bad thing? Okay? An example. Why is it that you feel that um, we should, uh, I don't know, we have all these restrictions on the way that we live our lives? Whatever it is that I, I was feeling at the time. Why is it that God is so important in your lives? And they answered. And it, it, it turned out it wasn't the, the fire and brimstone response that, that I had cartoonishly made of them in my own mind. It turned out they actually had very good, solid reasons. And I liked it. And I thought, huh, that's interesting. I didn't convert immediately into that, but it was a little seed like, okay, the way I think of them is not necessarily, I don't agree with them, but I, I see now that they're not monsters. And once you do that, that's the beginning of the end of your stage as a liberal. And, and common to all liberals, Ari, I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel this way. Common to every single one is a refusal to talk meaningfully with a conservative. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and when you encounter a liberal who is willing to talk constructively with you or I, I know immediately that that person isn't really liberal. They yeah. just have some preconceived notions that are inaccurate that they will very quickly lose. Yeah, once and, and when I say, yeah, I mean, I'm not talking. I'm talking about a real discussion, not an argument, not a debate. You know, where you you have point and counterpoint. I'm just simply saying, hey, look, you know, why do you, Ari, think that uh, abortion is a bad thing? Why do you, Ari, think that? death penalty is appropriate where we're the only country that, that does that in the civilized world. Why do you, Ari, think that we shouldn't have any minimum wage whatsoever? It just seems so cold. So can you can, help me understand why conservatives think this way? Because you seem like a, frankly, you seem like a nice guy. Tell me 
how a nice guy like you thinks this way. Thank you. I would love to. Yeah. Uh, now, let me explain to you. But, but I'm, I'm speaking rhetorically. Right. But, but, but that's the kind of debate, not, not a debate, just a discussion. It's a conversation that and, goes and, somewhere. And, you, and, and most of, I mean, I, I'm sure that there are some lefties that, and, and liberals that, that do this. I'm sure they do. I can't, you can never say 100%. But I, I believe I'm saying it correctly when I say 99%. They don't engage you. Right. Well, and, and more importantly, they attack you viciously. Uh, we're in Brentwood, California, yeah. close to here to a place called the Brentwood Country Mart, where they sell something that you don't eat meat at a place called Ready Chick, which is a famous rotisserie chicken little place. Right. I know. I'm in line there. There are a couple liberals who are talking to each other, a man and a woman who are obviously are friends. And the man is very well dressed in a suit and tie, and the woman's dressed stylishly. And they're having a conversation about global warming. I'm waiting for my food. I happen to just ask them a question, why do you believe in global warming? Rather than explaining their position calmly, and remember, this is a family place around, you know, evening time when families are all picking up their chicken for the night. They start screaming at me at the top of their lungs in a profanity-laced tirade in front of children. Oh, my gosh. Sasha's age, you know, my my children's age. Yeah. And I'm calm. All I'm doing is asking some questions here. And immediately told me, because I'm, you know, I hang around lawyers like you occasionally, that if he's pounding on the table, he clearly doesn't have any facts. But it was so put-offing. It was so unconstructive. It was such a way. It was, you were talking earlier about uh, uh, addiction and self-deceit. What it struck me as, and when you were talking about that, I was thinking about this, it was hatred that he was addicted to, and he was looking for someone to unleash hatred upon. Yes, that's right. It, that is so true. It's, uh, it's the, um, uh, and, and some of our Jewish colleagues uh, are guilty of this too, but but not in the extreme, but you'll see what I'm going with this. There, there's, there, there's a feminist who's always looking for the, 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 the woman-hating man out there. And, and every opportunity they have, uh, they'll, they'll jump on him, right? Um, they can't wait to, to discover that man that they heard so much about in college who was so misogynist and so chauvinist and all that, right? It, they jump on you. And they'll assume that this is what you think because, you know, they've, they've been wired up for all this. They've been, sorry, wound up all the time, and they're just looking for somebody to attack. And that's what you're describing. Same thing with some of my uh, Jewish friends who are constantly on the prowl for anti-Semitism. And so they can't find it, not in America at least, not very much. For all intents and purposes, there's not real serious anti-Semitism going on here. And, and so they, they try to imagine it, concoct it in their own heads. And the funny thing is... We conservative Jews know that it doesn't exist, and we're the far more observant Jews than they are, right? <laughs> I, I mean, it's so, it's so uncanny the, the 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 level of anti-Semitic their impression of the existence of anti-Semitism is so much stronger among the secular Jews than it is among the observant Jews. You would think we would know better, right? We're the ones wearing the kippot or the the skull cap, as, as sometimes they refer to. Uh, we're the ones wearing the, the little strings uh, in, next to our pants, right? To, to remind. We're, we're the ones who are identifiably Jewish. And we, would, we should know, right, whether there's serious anti-Semitism in America. Um, but I'll tell you where there is anti-Semitism in America. It's presently located at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C. And on every college campus. Uh, good point. Very good point. I, I, whew, that's a very good point. That's why you have me around. That's, That's why yeah, I make exactly. the big yes. bucks. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, and big bucks it is, my friend. Big bucks. So 
look, and 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 you can apply this to the to the gay um, community to some extent, where a lot of very agitated uh, liberal gays are looking forward to confronting this homophobic bastard, right? As if the homophobic bastard is hanging out in the Castro district or in West yeah, Hollywood or Silver Lake. That's true. But, you know, I mean, yeah. they get killed there. Uh, but but the most of wild ones are the ones that you just talked about, which is the environmentalist ones, the ones who challenge you know who are challenged by um, uh, people like yourself regarding global warming, or uh, evolution. I mean, evolution is my favorite one. That that uh, I remember once somebody asking me another lawyer, a liberal, and I had made friends with the receptionist who was a, a very nice Christian woman, and she and I shared a lot of thoughts, and and we both agreed, evolution is a farce at least pure evolution. I, I, I'm sure that uh, different species adapt to their environment a little bit here and there. You know, we might grow taller as a result of being in a certain area of the, of the world. Um, African people will be dark because they have so much sun and eventually they adapt to the pigmentation to protect them from the sun. But that's a far cry from evolving from one species to another for which there's positively no evidence. Right, and in fact, the contrary seems to be true. And I, this gentleman said to me, he said, you know, Kara here says that that you, Brock, don't believe in evolution. And, and he looked at me preposterously. It was so absurd to him that I, whom he perceived to be a fairly intelligent human being, could believe that the evolution is not a viable theory. And I said, she's right. I think it's garbage. And he looked at me like, oh, here's one of those crazy people that that believe... That I've heard about on the National Geographic channel. Yeah, right? exactly right. In the wilds. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, you know, they, they want to put you in this particular hole, and it just it's so comforting for them. But they are truly, truly the ones who, um, who fool themselves. They're, they're, they're the ones who... Um, you know, stick their fingers in their ears and and uh, and otherwise close their eyes and and don't want to see nothing, don't want to hear nothing, because and God, God forbid, God forbid, that they may hear somebody that actually sounds reasonable, that there might be a reasonable argument for. Uh, a, a, that God might be in the equation of all this. Or a contradictory opinion to their hardened beliefs. Yeah. That's what happened to me at Radiocheck. How dare you have this conversation with yes. me? You're How dare you freely speak <laughs> in public? Yeah. Well, you're, you're just a polluter. You just want to... Because, you see, in their mind, all right, because I used to be one of these people, in their... Uh, by the way, a and long I was time ago. Too. Yeah. yeah. In their mind, here's an opportunity to, to vent their anger and they see you as somebody who's selfish, you understand. They're so good, you're selfish because you just want to pollute. You want to exploit whatever things. You want all the goodies coming to you, and you don't want to share in the responsibility of keeping a clean environment for the sake of all of us. I'm bought and paid for by the oil company. <laughs> well, that too. Like a, like a NASCAR driver with my fire suit on with Shell 76 right. patches all over me. <laughs> Sponsored by the oil companies. How convenient. It's, uh, but, but this is all part of the process of self-delusion. This is what I want to emphasize. Every time you're talking to a liberal who truly believes in uh, the liberal platform, especially those who believe in every single one of them, 
they have engaged in self-delusion. They are 100% guilty of self-delusion. Now, e even when the, the circumstances of the world truly test them, for example, it, I can't imagine, even if I had been a liberal, let's say, until uh, about a year and a half ago, and I say, you'll see why I'm saying a year and a half ago, um, the, the advent of ISIS in the world surely would have made me think, hmm, maybe it wasn't such a good idea to leave every single soldier from Iraq. Maybe we're creating a power vacuum. Maybe we're not appreciating that there is true evil in the world. It would cause me to think twice about my liberal approach. But even now, people are still deluding themselves, all the more so. And I hear excuses for ISIS saying that somehow now it's Bush's fault. Yeah, he caused it. Yeah. The surge caused it. Yep. He made them angry. Yeah, it's the stirring up the hornet's nest. And but for Bush, uh, we would be all back to the year 1999 or something. And uh, that, that was so much better. Okay, uh, never mind that the world is constantly in flux. But they, they, they don't perceive that. They, their world is always static, like the, the universe that they believe is static also, right? Nothing changes with them. And they want, in fact, the economy and business to always remain static because well, that's, well, that's the way they think. Yeah, well, their ultimate goal is if they could just freeze everything in place, then they could get a grip on everything yes. with, their, with their infinitely wisdom-based uh, plans. Right. And this is why... This is why our, our Sunday show coming up is going to be about how liberalism is really about fear of the unknown. Fear of the unknown, and uh, they, they're terrified of it. So they're the ones who are afraid, not us. See, they will accuse you, uh, Ari, and myself, and other conservatives like us, of being terrified of all, all, all the things of change, such as you know their, their version of change. Um, and that version, of course, is that there might be more homosexuality out there. there there's going to be more, um, uh, you know, people holding hands of the same sex. Um, black CEOs, black baseball yes, players. Yes, that's right. Oh, gosh. You know, that would yeah. be so oh, terrifying. How, uh, black NBA players? I, I don't know how I'd live with myself. Right. Um, and, and, and more sexuality, regar you know, regardless of homosexuality. And, uh, you know, all these open doors, more drug use, whatever it is that we're afraid of all this because, you know, it's social change or that we, we want to see a woman somehow in the, in the kitchen all the time, right? And we, and we don't want them to enjoy the benefits of the, the, the labors for at work and such. That we're afraid of these things. Hardly. Of course, we're not afraid of these things. We do see the consequences of the breakdown of the family. We know what that, that's doing, what's going to happen. I don't know who said it, but I, I can't take credit for it. If you want to know what the future is going to be like, then you need to look at history, right? And the further back in history you know, the more in the future you'll be able to predict. Okay, and that's the way it is. And that's what you know. In that sense, we are afraid. Yeah, and it's not like we're not afraid of things like you just said. We're afraid of things like ISIS, nuclear weapons in the hands of people who have no compunctions about using them. Right. Uh, loss of freedom of speech or freedom of movement or freedom of, of prosperity. Yeah. Those are the things that scare us. Not a woman in the workplace running around uh, off of her uh, chain link binder. You got it. That's exactly right. And, and this is all part of all part of the deception problem. Everything we are talking about is deception. And 
uh, when, when it comes to the, <laughs> they're, they're, they, they, they are afraid themselves of it. And the only way they can deal with it is to delude themselves into thinking they live in a certain world where they're just wondrous and caring and compassionate. And all the other people that think contrary to them, they're the evil ones. They're the bad guys. They're the ones that need to be fought. Not ISIS, not those wonderful Muslims out there, and, ex- and I should say extreme Muslims, of course. Not, not those people. Those people, well, you know, it's, that's a, it's a, we only brought that upon ourselves. So therefore, it's really those conservatives. And it's all delusion, my friends. And the way you can get out of this delusion, how do you snap out of it? You talk. Find yourself a conservative, a conservative that you respect, and just say, hey, look, do you have a half an hour I'd like to talk to you about different issues? I'm just trying to understand what conservatives actually think because you seem like a nice guy. Just talk to me. And, and pick out four or five issues and just try to understand why they, they believe what they believe. It's that simple. And maybe there's a chance you can start busting out of the delusion. You might be able to clean that, uh, the windshield that's full of schmutz, full of the, the fog, right? Clean it out, and then you can see. And you might actually enjoy what you see. I'm Brock Lurie. This has been the Brock Lurie Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll talk with you real soon.